Hello, my name is Erica Lorenz, and I am honored to be your host for another season of the Adoptee Voyages podcast. Adoptee Voyages serves and supports transracial adoptees with healing conversations that inform and encourage our listeners through the power of shared experience. This season, all episodes focus on adoptees who have decided to explore their first culture. Each Wednesday brings a new story and journey. So find a comfy seat and settle in as we hear this Adoptee's Voyage. Hello, Adoptee Voyages listeners. It's Erica. Welcome back to another episode from season two. Today's guest is Mandy Dorchy. She is a Peruvian adoptee but she grew up in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. She's now located in San Diego, but her story incorporates her adoptive family having the ability to give her three different citizenships. So her mom is from the States, her dad is from Germany, and then she is from Peru. So that's a really cool thing about her story today as we just talk about integrating our first culture and background. We get a touch base on that. And I'm excited to have her here. So Mandy, do you want to say hello? Hi, everyone. Hi. All right. Listeners, Mandy and I got to talk a little bit offline before recording. Um, Mandy, do you want to elaborate any more on kind of your story, your beginning when you were adopted? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So before I do jump into my story, my adoption, and my parents going to Peru and adopting my sister and I. So just to know, I'm a twin. And uh, I just want to make sure that it's kind of noted that, you know, her experiences and everything she's been through while similar and adopted together, I just want to make sure that there's space for like what she's done, what she's gone through, and even the research and everything she's been doing just to kind of learn more about like our culture and our background. So just kind of saying like, you know, this is my personal story. This is kind of where I'm coming from um, before I, again, jump into like my adoption and everything. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for letting the listeners know. Yeah, absolutely. So to start off, as you said, um, my mom is from the States, my adopted mother, and my adoptive father is from Germany. So my mom could not have kids. My mom and my dad actually tried over and over. My mom was on tons of medication and they tried for several years um, and couldn't have kids. Uh, They are first adopted actually from Brazil. Um, So I have Mm. an older brother that's adopted from Brazil. Um, And then they decided that they wanted to adopt from Peru. Um, They originally came down to Lima, Peru to adopt a little boy. Um, Mm. I never really got details on like what happened, what fell through or why the adoption didn't happen. But um, they were able to work with the agency that then told them, oh, we have two twin girls <laughs> that yeah. are up for adoption. If you guys are interested, um, of course, being in Peru and my mom, you know, wanting more kids and everything, yeah. um, they did go ahead and adopt um, my sister and I. That's awesome. Really cool. Thanks for sharing that. So it sounds like your family has a lot of cultural backgrounds. Dad's from Germany, adoptive brothers from Brazil, you're from Peru, mom's from the States, and you grew up in... Charlotte, North Carolina. I guess, what was that experience like? So I would say growing up in the South, especially in the States, um, there was definitely like racism and, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of diversity. I would never hate on my city. Don't get me wrong. I love the city that I grew up in and I love the amount of diversity and how much it's like growing. But I will say that, um, 
it, when I was younger, I definitely was a minority in a lot of places where I went. Mm. Um, so for instance, like my mom and my dad, they wanted the best for us. Um, yeah. you know, they had the means to do so. So, um, we went to a private school, my sister and I, and I actually just to throw out there. Um, I, I have a cousin that's adopted from China. So a lot of diversity mm. in our family. Yeah. So we all three went to um, a Catholic private school to add to it, um, not being Catholic, yeah. <laughs> but went to a private school when we were in elementary school. And while, you know, top education, great place to, you know, get an education and start off your education, you know, at such a young age, we were the minority, even as a little kid, you know, it's still, it's awkward. It's yeah. different. I actually, and I hope I can say this. Yeah. I was actually told by a boy, a white boy that the color of my skin looked like shit. Mm. Um, it, wow. and being a kid, like I didn't know how to take that. I came yeah. home and obviously told my parents, I didn't really cry I, again. Like I had no idea how to react because I'm like, well, my parents are like back home. Like I'm surrounded by white people. Like, is yeah. this normal? Is this again, being like eight years old or something? Like I had no idea. I, yeah. I, other than to be like, Hey parents, like this happened to me. I don't know how to take it. I don't know what to do on the flip side. My mom actually dealt with some racism. Um, mm they, you know, like a lot of people would judge her or think, you know, like, oh, she must be married to a black man, you know, because mm. all of her skin, you know, all her, her kids, they have, yeah. you know, dark skin, dark yeah. hair, and then come to find out like, no, definitely not. My dad is yeah. German. But yeah, so I would say that was the toughest thing. And again, not to hate on my city. Like I, right. I love where I'm from. I love where I grew up. And I love that, you know, that Charlotte is continuing to grow. But it was it was difficult. I would say as I got older, I would say like in high school and then going off into like college and stuff, especially being in like a bigger university and then also mm. getting into like the public system, there was, you know, a little more diversity yeah. that I would see and everything. But I found myself very much going or I guess feeling like I belonged with white people, you know, mm. like again, yeah. my family all being white. Um, yeah. that's just kind of how I felt like, you know, yeah. again, I open my mouth and it's like, Oh, you sound like a white girl or yeah. something. I, yeah. I would get that a lot too, even from my white friends. So yeah. it was tough. There were Hispanics and Latinos and, you know, the schools that I went to in both high school and university, but I didn't speak Spanish. You know, I yeah. didn't know like, Hey, is that where I should be? Or is that what I'm supposed like, you know, those supposed to be my friends. I tried my best to try to, you know, understand like, Hey, and the code switching and stuff too. Yeah. Like, Hey, yeah. like maybe if I sound more like this or look more like this or act more like this or dress even like this, like hmm. maybe I'll fit in. But it was, it was definitely uh, difficult because not only that, you know, like being 16, 17, 15, you know, I don't know what I'm doing in life. I'm, you know, going through this like growth phase, but awkward and like uncomfortable and yep. already trying to establish like friends and groups and your identity just as a woman and then to also do it on top of being like um, an interracial adoptee. Yeah. It's very confusing. It's very, very confusing. So again, the racism a little bit and just, you know, really trying to figure out like, who am I um, was probably like the most difficult time through uh, both my high school years, as well as like my university years. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing all of that. I love that you are proud of the fact that your city is continuing to grow and learn and no place is going to be perfect, but places are going to continue to try to change for the better. I'm really sorry that that instance happened in private school. That's definitely not acceptable. You are completely free to state that here on the podcast. But I mean, racism is a real thing. And the fact that it happens to individuals at such a young age 
is heartbreaking. So I just want to acknowledge that you mentioned, and I mean, we've talked about it. Your dad is German. So growing up, it sounds like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe your culture or your birth culture wasn't necessarily highlighted, but you grew up in a very different kind of culture, maybe focusing on like the German aspects or even just like American culture. Is that correct? Yeah. So, I mean, my parents never forced any type of like Americanized versus German versus even Peruvian. Like they never forced us to like, Mm -hmm. be like, you have to be this way. You have to learn this way. You have to embrace yourself in this type of culture or anything like that. Um, I think at the end of the day, just like any parents, we want happy children, you know, type of thing. Yeah. I would say though, like, and going back to like being a baby. So when I was adopted and like just a little, just add a little bit more to like my adoption story. So parents came to Lima, Peru, they were down there for about three months. We were Mm. brought at three months old to the States, um, into Charlotte. And then not even before we turned a year old, we were actually brought to Germany to meet my dad's entire side of the family and like my grandparents and everything, which is amazing. Like it actually kind of like tells me like, Hey, I want to have kids. I want to travel with kids. Yeah, But at the same time, as I've continued to kind of dive through like adoption and being adoptee and like research and studies and things that have been done, I've, you know, done some reading and some research about like the impact that it has on the baby at such a small child, like the trauma Mm. and the experience, especially also as I like really have been diving more into like my own mental health as well. Yeah. Um, But, you know, like that trauma of like pulling, you know, because there's nothing at the end of the day, like as beautiful as you want to make adoption sound pulling a baby from its birth mother into an adoption. Yeah. And while, yes, that's great. I was saved because I, I was very, very sick. You know, my parents, yeah. my, my um, biological family could not afford the medical care. So yeah. I'm very fortunate. I'm very happy to be adopted. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But at the same time, there is trauma. There is experience that, you know, you get as an infant so being pulled from your birth parents, um, being then brought up in like this English culture, English speaking, you know, the languages and stuff, they say that babies even here and everything. And then to immediately go to a whole nother country, another whole nother culture, whole nother language. You know, again, it's just something that like, I'm continuing to kind of like learn and research and figure out more about myself and like maybe Mm -hmm. how that impacted me, even as an infant, going back to like your question and stuff. Um, my dad spoke a little bit of German, like in the household mm. and stuff, but I, I don't speak it fluently. Yeah. Um, you know, like I heard it, I would listen to it a little bit, but he never really like taught it to us. He actually always said, and my mom would say like, oh, if you guys want to learn a language, learn Spanish. Like mm. that's what I highly suggest. I will say like, again, just kind of keeping to like my story and who I yeah. am. I, I like the German culture. Don't get me wrong. I actually absolutely love it. Like, you know, it is a part of me. It is, you know, like half my family is from there. I go there almost every single year. I have mm. my twin sister lives in Salzburg, Austria. So I love it. I love the food, um, you know, my family and stuff and going and visiting them. And it is again, like it just adding to it, like, I'm not German, <laughs> you know, I don't yeah. look German. Yeah. I don't speak German, but it's a big part of me. And I'm a German citizen. Same with being American, you know, I'm not white. I you right. know, don't, I'm not your typical American or anything like that. But then going back to Peru, I look Peruvian, but the minute I open my mouth, they're like, wait, where are you from? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's it, your identity and trying to figure out who you are is something that like, even to this day, like I still continue to struggle with. My, my whole family loves me. Like, you know, they, my, I keep in touch with my biological family here and there. They do say like, Merry Christmas, happy birthday. They try to reach out. My adopted parents love me. My whole adopted family loves me. 
And I was actually, when I was back in Charlotte, I was talking to my mom about this. I said, I don't think the resources were really there to truly say like, Hey, like how does our child (laughs) that looks one way, but is, you know, citizens and has passports to two other countries, where does she fit in? Like, again, going back to being a teenager and stuff, like I'm already trying to navigate just being a typical teenager. Now you're also asking me to figure out like, who, who am I, you know, like, you know, I, I wish I was more German. I wish I looked, you Mm -hmm. know, like a, I hate to say it like this, but a typical white girl, you know, like the way I sound. Um, but I also wish I knew more about the Peruvian culture and like, what if I had been raised, you know, in Peru and Mm. all of that. So it's just, it's really difficult to kind of figure out and navigate that, you know, especially when I was younger. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think you make a great point of saying as we get older, those questions only come up more and more. Like you think about applying to college, you think about, you know, going to your own dentist, your own doctor, all of it. A lot of things, even with employment, it's like, what race are you? What ethnicity are you? How do you identify? And for transracial adoptees, you're like, okay, so I'm going to put an X or other, but do I feel that way? Can I actually say that? Like, I understand what that means with everything behind it, with the culture and everything. And so I just think that's an interesting point to say, like, it only comes up more and more as we get older, which I think a lot of transracial adoptees struggle with and feel awkward as we just embrace it on the daily. Speaking of like identity crisis, did you have a moment where you were like, okay, I, like you mentioned, I feel very white girl, which I can completely resonate with that. However, I'm curious about my Peruvian culture and I want to look more into it. Did that situation ever happen for you as you entered adulthood? Yeah. I mean, I, I will say like, I've only become more and more curious about my adoption and maybe more of like, you know, being from Peru and everything yeah. within the past, like couple, couple years or so. Hmm. Um, when I moved out to San Diego, I actually, I matched with a girl on Bumble BFF that's from Peru hmm. and it kind of just like opened some doors to like learning more about Peru and the culture and the food and you know, even hearing more people just speaking Spanish around me. Yeah. Um, and I actually tell some of my friends, I'm like, no, 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 it doesn't offend me. Like, please speak it. Cause I feel yeah. like that's the only way, like embracing yourself, hearing it, yep. all of that is yep. the only way that you really truly learn. It's been great. I will say though, um, I've had some very uncomfortable moments. Um, and this is just mm-hmm. me being very vulnerable for whoever hears this, but yeah. while they've all been amazing and they've taught me so much and showed me so much and made food and I've gotten to taste some of the Peruvian food and dishes and stuff that they've made again, like I don't feel like I belong because, mm-hmm. you know, they were born and raised a yes. lot of them in Peru. That's not me. Yeah. Um, either. So it's like, you know, I, I struggled. I remember like I went to one of my first potlucks and again, very warm, welcoming people, yeah. all of them. There's like 30 or so in the group. And I've, you know, I, I love all of them, but it was really hard when they were just like, wait, you don't speak Spanish. Hmm. Wait, you don't know what this is. Like, you know, pointing to certain foods or yeah. something or, oh, you didn't grow up this way. And I'm like, no, not at all. I, again, I probably know more about the German culture than I do the Peruvian mm-hmm. culture. And, you know, I'll be honest. So um, I think one thing that like was very positive that came out of it is um, one of the girls from the group has actually become like one of my absolute best friends. She's awesome. practically like an older sister um, mm. to me, but I think the biggest thing was, you know, she was one of the few that really knew where I was coming from, knew like, Hey, this is who I am. Like she really listened to me. Um, mm-hmm. she was patient also to like 
you know, when I would ask stupid questions, like, Hey, like people were saying this, like, what does this mean? And, mm. um, she would tell me she's like my translator. She's also become like my <laughs> travel partner and stuff. Like we have a great time. I, that was the one like amazing experience that has come out of it. Um, and she's yeah. so excited for me to go to Peru and to mm. get that experience and everything and meet my biological family. But yeah, it, it, at first, like when I went, I was like, Oh, I'm so eager. I'm so excited. Like I know this sounds really dumb, but I'm like, yay, people that look like me, like, I hope right. I can relate. And then I got there and I was like, this is actually like, I, when I get very uncomfortable and very like shy or my introverted side comes out, mm. I get very quiet. I get very, very quiet. Oh, yeah. um, and so I'm just like, wait, <laughs> I don't belong here either. Like I thought I would. And now I feel even more like awkward and again, identity and just trying oh, to yeah. figure things out. So but again, like I have, I've gained some great friends through it, um, which is awesome. Mm. And for those that are patient and listen or answer my stupid questions that I sometimes ask, I'm so appreciative of them. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you being vulnerable and just stating that truth for you and your experience of, there are some times where people are really patient and understand where we're coming from as transracial adoptees, trying to engage with our first culture. Whereas a lot of times it's almost like a rude awakening of, okay, because we look like each other, I feel like there should be an instant connection. However, our experiences, our culture typically being raised is super different than maybe a native Peruvians. And so, or, you know, whoever the transracial adoptee, like wherever they are from originally. And honestly, it's kind of heartbreaking because I think non-adoptees also come at it from the approach of like, oh my gosh, was it so great? Like, did you guys just instantly click and do, 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 do. And you're like, no, it's, it's going to be a lot of work if I really want to like understand this community, these people, myself, et cetera. So I appreciate you making that point and just stating that truth for your experience. You also kind of dropped a hint you are going back to Peru. You've kind of mentioned throughout the episode, your birth family are people that you are currently in contact with and have been. So, I mean, I know this, but the listeners may not. Can you elaborate on your plans for going back to Peru soon? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my adoption was, uh, mine and my twin sister's adoption was actually uh, left open. So when my parents adopted my sister and I, um, I want to say the the day that they took my sister home again, I was very, very sick. Um, Mm. as dramatic as it may sound, I actually was to the point where I could have died. Um, Mm. so again, that's why I am thankful for my adoption. I know not everyone has stories like that, but it is one that like, you know, I like to share and know that like, I am very grateful for what my adopted parents have given me and all the opportunities Mm. and everything. But my mom and my dad actually met my biological mom, my biological dad, and I have a biological older sister. Hmm. Um, so the day that they took my twin sister home um, from the hospital, they were able to meet all of them, knowing their like living conditions and the poverty and stuff that they were going through at the time. My adopted parents actually financially um, supported my hmm. biological family in Peru. So they bought them like better housing, paid for an apartment. 
Um, mm. They even also sent my um, biological sister, and I actually have also a biological younger brother. They sent mm. them um, off to like private school so they could get better education, um, which was definitely worth it. I've seen them. Um, my si- my biological sister actually speaks um, some English. Um, she's cool. a nurse nowadays, and I believe my brother is in like the law enforcement or something. I can't uh, 100% yeah. remember, but um. But yeah, so leaving that adoption open, and again, I know not everyone's story is the same, but right. I would say definitely kept me a little more connected to Peru and, you know, like, cause it wasn't just a simple, like, oh, I was brought to the States and then never had any contact or right. any tie in, in a sense, like any ties back to Peru. So through snail mail, when we were younger, they would yeah. send photos, we would send photos, they would send gifts, we would do the same. And then as social media got bigger, Facebook, Instagram, things like that. We still stayed in touch. Um, when COVID hit, you know, we immediately checked in on them. They checked on yeah. in on us as well. So it was good. And medical history was another big thing. That's why okay. one of the number one reasons that my parents looked to have an open adoption, just mm-hmm. in case for whatever reason, um, my sister, or I got sick. So yeah, so staying in contact was, it, you know, it's it's been great. I will say though, at the end of the day, and again, I met with my mom when I was in Charlotte just this past week, but they're still complete strangers, you know, yeah. like it's, I don't mean it in a mean or like negative way at all. It's just, you know, it's different. Like when you see someone or talk to someone and share like every little bit of your life with them, like a best friend or something or a family member. Yeah. Um, For them, it's like, Hey, I appreciate the little messages. I love seeing photos, but yeah, I've been trying to plan this trip to Peru for almost three years, COVID wow. hit, you know, had to continue to like reschedule it and stuff. So yeah, I'm excited to go. I am the kind of person that lives in the moment. So mm. I think once that day is finally like there and we're in Lima and we get to go see them, I am probably going to be like a world of emotions, not right. knowing like, how to take it. I definitely want to, you know, protect my adopted or my, my adoptive mother as well. You know, she seems a little nervous, not only like traveling because she hasn't traveled this far in quite some time, yeah. but you know, even she like, you know, she knows them. She met them, you know, when she adopted my sister and I, but at the same time, like it's like meeting strangers, but not really as crazy as that sounds. (laughs) Yeah, no, I a hundred percent get that. And while it is a super exciting trip, I know a lot of emotions come with it. And I mean, it's also just going to be a completely different culture and environment than you're used to. And sometimes when we do new experiences, we like to be in an environment that we know and we can anticipate. So I can understand why there might be a lot going through your head and through your heart, lots of ups and downs, but it's still really exciting that you get to go back and that this trip that you've been wanting and planning for three plus years is finally coming to fruition. Yeah. And I think the other thing to just kind of add to it is I am, you know, again, I'm going through my own like mental health journey, which also started like um, during COVID and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like doing this as uncomfortable as it may be for me um, and knowing, you know, how my emotions are and like the kind of person and introvert that I am, I feel like it's one step closer to kind of like, I don't want to say like identifying myself, but you know, just kind of better, like, figuring out like, who am I? Like, right. how do I fit into this world? You know, like, yeah. who do I even want to be? You know, things yeah. like that. Um, so yeah, just learning more about myself. And I, at the end of the day, like, I can also be the kind of person to say, hey, like, I know who my biological family is. I've met my biological family. I, you know, either 
keep have again however it goes um you know that type of connection with them so Mm -hmm. yeah again excited but also very nervous (laughs) yeah no I completely completely get that so I bet if listeners are wanting to follow up on your story they can of course message adoptive voyages and then if you feel comfortable we can get you in touch with them because I think that's a lot and it's something that you know by the time this episode has aired, who knows, you maybe have already met your family and gone to Peru and come home. So yeah, Mandy, I want to be super respectful of your time. I just really appreciate how you talked through kind of some of the experiences you had as a, as a kid in Charlotte, um, the good and the bad, but also talked a little bit about your adoptive family in regards to having a lot of different cultures and backgrounds in one space and where that's led you to today and where you're going, maybe not tomorrow, but next week as you go back to Peru. So while thank you for being here, it sounds like you also have a closing statement you would like to partake to the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just as like, kind of like a final thought from me and again, my story, and again, thank you so much for having me, Erica, but yeah, just some final words. So while I will always do my best to keep an open mind as I continue to learn about my own culture and background and others as well, um, because I do have, you know, such a diverse group of friends nowadays, I don't want to lose myself in this process. Um, You know, I talked a lot about like my identity, finding myself and everything, but I'm a firm believer that, you know, the experiences and everything that you have are kind of what make you. Um, So, you know, having a German father, having an American mother, and then being from Peru, um, it's kind of funny. I tell people, I'm like, oh, I'm just, you know, I guess I'll just forever be the Peruvian that loves German food, but sounds like an American. Yes. (laughs) But yeah. Oh, no, I love that. And I think that's a beautiful way to just end the episode of you making that statement. So thank you for sharing that. And thank you again for being on the episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode on the Adoptee Voyages podcast. To continue supporting this resource for transracial adoptees, please consider making a financial donation at adopteevoyages.org. Stay connected by following Adoptee Voyages on Instagram and Facebook. And finally, join me next week for another Adoptee Voyages episode.